Welcome to Troubleshooting Innovation, a commercial baking podcast. I'm your host, Joni Spencer, Editor-in-Chief for Commercial Baking, and I'm speaking with Stephen Hallam, Brand Ambassador for Dickinson & Morris and Chair of Judges for the Tip Tree World Bread Awards, which will take place at IBIE 2022, September 18th through 21st in Las Vegas. This season, we are exploring the principles of artisan bread baking that can and should be incorporated into commercial bread production. This episode is all about working with machines, some of the misconceptions and important elements of bringing automation into the artisan process. Hi, Stephen. Thanks for joining me this week. Hi, Joni. Nice to be talking again. So we are going to talk about working with machines, and that is something that is a hot topic in artisan bread production on the commercial side. Creating artisan bread at scale, it's more complex than simply automating the process. So I really want to pick your brain on this one in what needs to be understood about the types of machines that should be used if you're scaling up artisan bread making and how they should fit into the process. I feel like there has to be a lot of forethought before you just start investing in machines. In, in one sentence, you've just said it. It's the preparation and it's the forethought. An artisan or craft baker will be making a loaf or loaves that are unique to them and their process. That's why people shop with them and not the baker down the road, etc. They're both maybe very, very good loaves and breads, and I'm sure they are. Um, but there's always a point of difference with how you do it and the way that uh, you make the bread and the flavor you have, the appearance it has, and all the rest. Hence, customers queuing at your door. Now, there is absolutely nothing wrong with utilizing machinery. We all need it whether you're small or whether you're large. The key point has to be the product that you're making is sacrosanct and it should not be changed to suit the machine. That is probably where so many things can go wrong because you're you're not ending up with a unique product anymore. And I have to say there are remarkable examples of, of where machinery manufacturers recognize this and they actually adapt their machinery to suit the purpose of the baker and their particular doughs. If we were to sort of walk through the making of a loaf of bread and, and we've got our flour, you know, so you're going to mix it, you're going to add water to it, along with whatever else. If we're looking at machinery, a water meter and a chiller, so the water is chilled, that's pretty good start mixer well there are so many mixers available and effectively the the mixers are bringing all the ingredients together and they're going to develop the protein that's in the dough to the degree that you wish it to be developed because there are some doughs that want more development and there are some doughs that want less so first port of call for any baker would be to try machinery actually get the manufacturers to be making some dough, some bread, using their recipe, using their flour, not necessarily what the machinery manufacturer supplies, uh, but you ship some of your flour there, go there if you can. 
and also talk to other bakers that are using such machines because that's the real acid test. It may suit their process, but when you actually see what their process is, you discover it's very different to your process. So it makes you take a step back and say, well, is that too severe, a mixing action for me, or is it gentle enough or, or whatever it may be? And I personally am not 100% up to speed with uh, equipment manufacturers across the US, much more au fait in Europe. And we do find uh, Italian and Spanish manufacturers uh, and German, for that matter, um, are particularly good. That's not to say they're the go-to, but they're particularly good at adapting their bits of kit to suit the purpose of the baker. Now, if we were, as an example, to look at uh, a sourdough, and sourdough that's, let's say, 88 90% hydration, so it's containing an awful lot of water, uh, you've got a dough that is extremely soft, and when the table hands, the charge hands, the, the bakers come to process that in terms of scaling it and shaping it, putting it into the baskets, there will be flour flying around everywhere because it's so sticky. And you're introducing faults into the bread straight away with all this flour. But a baker's answer if something sticky is to throw some flour at it. But if you're deliberately creating a, a dough with very, very hydration, that's going to be undermined with all the flour on the table, the flour on the hands. And when you're dividing it, flour on the scale pan as you're dividing a piece of dough, etc., etc. So machinery is available now that can handle such wet doughs. And there's a particular colleague of mine here in the UK. He sent a pallet of flour over to Italy and they did all of their R&D, if you like. They did all of their, um, the sort of work you would do when you get a machine. They did it out there, machine manufacturer. So that when the machine was delivered, it was full steam ahead and they, they didn't have sort of a month or two of trials and wastage and what have you because it didn't suit the purpose. This particular colleague, he scales sourdough into a kilo and 500 gram units. And that is now done automatically. There's absolutely no flour goes in this divider whatsoever. The dough is in a chamber. There's no ram uh, or cam that's pushing and felling or manipulating the dough. And it, it moves along onto a waste scale. It's cut exactly uh, 500 gram units without the use of flour or anything sticky. And then it's transferred onto a, another piece of kit that just very, very gently, it doesn't mold it, but it balls it up or it rounds it. Because the last thing you want to do when you've developed the structure over whatever period of time, maybe 24 hours or longer, is to lose all of that. We talk about typical tin bread over here in Europe, uh, a white tin loaf. And, and when you're molding it, you're putting lots and lots of tension into the dough because you've, you've nurtured and developed that protein in there. So it, when you mold it, it will sort of stand up proud off uh, the tabletop, except where well, you don't want that with sourdough. You want something that, that's just going to retain this 
very delicate structure that you've uh, created. And um, yeah, it's just picked, the piece of dough is picked up. It's put into uh, the proving baskets. And then the next stage, again, very important for an artisan baker is that it goes into a retarder or a dough conditioner, let's call it, because retarders sound a bit like a fridge. And effectively, it is a fridge, but it's a refrigerated cabinet. Relatively, humidity is well controlled. So it'll be about four degrees centigrade, that's 75 uh, degrees relative humidity. And it'll be in there for around 18 hours or so. And over that period of time, the heat will slowly be introduced, not a lot, keeping the humidity quite low. And you get a long, slow final rising or proof that again, keeps the dough very, very stable. And that that is the favored uh, method across the whole of Europe, really for sourdough and when we come to bake the loaf your choice of oven artisanally it'll be on the oven's sole so you have a decision is that going to be directly onto the oven sole using setters or are we going is it going to go on to uh, trays that then could go in whatever sort of oven a rack oven a real oven a rotary oven, a deck oven, traveling oven, etc. So there's lots and lots of points to consider. Every baker needs a mixer. You don't have to have a water chiller, um, but it improves consistency if you do. Let us assume that your bakery is air conditioned except around the oven, because that's going to be better on your dough. We've we mentioned this in a previous podcast, so you're not getting skinning and what have you of all your dough products. And the people are better tempered if they're not really hot and, and what have you. you know, let's not forget how good bakers. Dividing, so a really good divider that suits your dough, suits your process. Don't be buying something that a manufacturer can say, well, it'll do, but you've got to do this and you've got to do that. And you've got to take X percent water out of it. You know, who's the customer here? It's not the manufacturer. It's the baker, isn't it? And uh, I think a baker has every right to uh, be tenacious in their requirement and, and seeking out the right piece of kit for what they want. You can't have too much refrigeration, really, for your retarding and what have you. You, you can't rush a sourdough. You just leave it in the bakery. You've got no control over it. Come back to this magic word again, control. You need to be looking after this very active piece of dough and your way to do it. Uh, is through temperature so we're talking refrigeration uh, and the right sort of oven so you when you're setting a dough piece into a cold dough piece into a hot oven gosh you do get a much better oven spring i'll backstep a little bit and, and go back to your classic your typical white tin bread so is so popular in this country and it goes into a prover at around 30 35 degrees it's hot there's loads and loads of steam the dough itself is can be quite sticky when it comes out the prover and, and it's not as stable as if it would be if it had had a very long slow proof retarding proving it is very very similar you, you just you slightly turn the heat up and, and that's done, it's controlled, the equipment does that for you, uh, and, and you end up with a fabulous crumb from it all. The conclusion to me is don't just put up with anything, 
um, be, be very tenacious in trying equipment out and getting manufacturers to change what they do to suit your purpose because you don't have to buy from that manufacturer if it's not giving the result that you need. Let's take a break from this episode of Troubleshooting Innovation to talk about Commercial Baking's partnership with the International Baking Industry Exposition. As IBIE's gold media partner, Commercial Baking has provided all new media products to help attendees and exhibitors get the most from this year's show. Check out our IBIE monthly newsletter, IBIE Show Guide Digital Edition, and our IBIE booth trailers by visiting commercialbaking.com. And don't forget to come see us at IBIE booth 3125 in the West Hall of the Las Vegas Convention Center. We'll see you at IBIE. I was thinking about the word control and how you had brought that up several times in previous episodes and how important it is for the baker to be in control of the dough. And I think if you're looking at the dough, the baker, and the equipment supplier, the baker has to be that centrifuge between the dough and the machines. In order to get that product, the baker has to be in charge. So I would 100% agree with you. And I've heard bakers say it so many times, like I'm not going to change my formula for the equipment. The equipment has to suit my formula. And it's a big world out there now, you know. Yeah. There is equipment that will do what you require it to do. There are manufacturers that will listen to what you do. And and there are always a lot of, let's say, smaller producers, artisan, craft bakers. They're taking that next step in getting bigger. There's lots of equipment for the very, very small people. There's lots of equipment for the very big commercial setups. But that in-between bit is is uh, not so well serviced. Right. You know, when you move from uh, small to large, the amounts of capital needed are sort of infinitesimal sometimes to to comprehend, to be able to afford. But it's little steps. Definitely. You know, the allergy of an oak tree coming from an acorn. Let it grow carefully and and, and don't go out and just willy-nilly buy something unless it's going to be used, unless it pays for itself. Yeah. When thinking about IBIE and thinking about those mid-size commercial bakers or the artisan bakers who are ready to take that next step, like you mentioned, that million square feet of show floor space can be really overwhelming. And I think it's important for those bakers to really do their homework in advance because there are so many options and, you know, everything is customizable these days, right? So those mid-level bakers should really not be afraid to, one, visit the Artisan Marketplace, to check out the Tip Tree World Bread Awards to see the best-in-class and finished product, and three, look across the board at don't be afraid to see what the artisan bakers are doing in the North Hall and what the large-scale manufacturers are doing in the West Hall because I think that there is something to be learned from the artisan and the commercial side together. And I think it's a wealth of knowledge available to 
the mid-sized bakers who are scaling up. Uh, totally agree. If you're making the commitment, the effort to come to IBIE, it is huge. It is vast. So you need to maximize your time. Otherwise, you're going to go home feeling cheated because you haven't got really the answers for why you went there. So if you uh, sit down and decide, well, why am I going? What it is that I'm after? Where do I need to go for that? And uh, there's lots of means to help people with that. You just need to do some homework first, don't you? Talking to other bakers, we're a friendly lot, you know. There's very few professions I know, you know, where you can... You might have run out of an ingredient and then you go and ask your competitor, your baker around the corner, if you borrow some yeast or borrow this or borrow, you know, run out of flour. It happens. But no, there's there's something about being able to um, turn three or four basic, uh, uh, very diverse raw materials into something that uh, is nourishing and uh, creates great joy. And then the challenge of doing that every day and then every week and then of course ensuring that all your people and all your colleagues are as equally passionate about it as you are that, that's another challenge something we'll talk about in another podcast um, because you can't do it you know as the boss um, you can't do it all yourself so you do need some help and we come back again now to machinery machines can help you it's really about the people that are pushing the buttons and the people that are buying the machines, have you got the right machine for the right purpose? Exactly. Yeah. So you said machines aren't bad. And when you're thinking about those artisan bakers ready to scale up, it can be very frightening. And it makes me think of, it was several, several years ago, I had the opportunity to cover the Coupe de Monde when it was at Europan in France. I interviewed some bakers on Team USA and one of them told me that the most frightening thing for him about competing on Team USA was that he had never used an industrial oven. Everything that he had done had been literally by hand and on wood fire until he joined Team USA. And so it was a terrifying learning curve for him. So that's sort of an extreme example, but I think it is a little bit nerve wracking and can have some misconceptions that an artisan baker would say, well, if you use automation or you use equipment, it's not artisan anymore. I don't believe that to be true. So do you have any advice for those bakers on how they can ease the trepidation in going into an automated process and incorporating equipment into their bread making? I think it starts with mindset. You know, if, if you don't want to believe in something, you never will. So if you look around you, talk to others, I'm, I'm talking bakers and what have you, you will actually more often than not discover that by introducing the right piece of equipment within the process, you're probably going to actually improve the quality of, of the loaf that you're getting. Now, that has to be a good thing. You know, consumers always looking for better and better standards and not just of quality of product but of service as well and it's only those businesses that can continually improve their products that will be the ones that thrive you know there's, there's no successful business or brand out there that prospers over time by lowering its standards and with judicial choice you know and, and there's many elements to weigh up isn't there there's the cost 
which may seem to be frightening. There may also be a concern that introducing a divider, as for example with my colleague he, who I was referring to earlier, with this scaling of sourdough, he had four or five people involved in the process, two weighing, one scaling, and, and the shaping and what have you, and that's now reduced to one. But those people are needed in the business. That they're, they're not doing those particular tasks anymore. The product is better because it doesn't have all the faults of flour being thrown all over it and pockets of, of uh, poor sort of shaping and what have you. It did probably take two couple of months, a little bit of time for a piece of equipment, the divider there, to settle in and be bedded in. And that's called managing change, really. But if you were to go to those people now and say, I'm taking this machine away, we're going back to... Uh, to what we used to do they wouldn't let you out the bakery alive you're not taking this away so it's a bigger thing than than just saying machines are bad it's the wrong machine will inevitably scar your uh, judgment this is where the the groundwork has to be done to make sure that uh, you really do go out of your way to ensure what you're moving to or the upgrade or the new piece of kit is right for your product, your business, and your people. Okay, I I think you hit the nail on the head that machines aren't bad. The wrong machines are bad. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. That's really good insight. So one thing I want to go back to in sort of going back to that concept of control, if a baker knows that they cannot compromise their product or their formula for the sake of the machine when they're venturing into this space what do they need to make sure that they are demanding from their equipment suppliers oh gosh well are you asking the impossible are you trying to make water stand up on end is a classic baker's expression isn't it are you being reasonable are you being unreasonable there has to be a solution for every challenge and if there is to be a trade-off or a compromise then only you can decide whether it should be at the sake of quality. I would maintain it should never. And if a baker agrees to do that, gosh, well, consequential denigration of the product if you start reducing uh, product quality. Because customers will notice. You might not think they do, but they will. And you perhaps can't continue to uh, market it as the same product. If you really can't find the right mechanical solution to the challenge you've got, are you right in doing it anyway? If you want the business, what's coming first? Are you making all your bread as a hobby or as a passion? Because that's generally where businesses start, isn't it? Then you have to go and find another hobby. And and how driven are you on uh, your margin, your ultimate return? It's a hard one, and it's very difficult to, to give a sweeping. I, I don't think I could give a... Uh, a sweeping example that you've got to do this, you've got to do that. You have to do what's right for you. Sometimes it's good to say no. You can be drawn in to something and, and, and say yes for the sake of saying yes. I, I have with the molder once and um, it stood in the corner and never got used because it was quite complex to use it. But that was a training issue. It was one of the best particular types of molders for the purpose of which it was purchased for, but the sales weren't particularly that big and and purchased the wrong machine, really. But it was difficult to use, so people didn't use it. Um, That's kind of funny. I was going to ask you as a follow-up about 
training expectations from equipment suppliers. Well, you've, if you purchase a new oven, the bake profile of a new oven, well, and whatever the oven is, is going to be different to the oven that you currently have. Even if it's the same brand or make, etc., it's five or six years newer, younger. There will be efficiencies that have been introduced into the manufacture of the oven that make it better. Because no oven manufacturer is going to be continually making an oven that, that is worse than the model they brought out before. And you need help to understand the settings, etc. Because it's not just top and bottom heat anymore, is it? You know, top heat, bottom heat, back heat, front heat, changing of bake profiles during the bake, uh, you know, high heat to start with, then lowering down, introduction of steam, bread, yeah, up front. If you're doing cake, it could be on a continual regular basis over the baking profile and and quite often as soon as you move to a new oven you're finding that the efficiency of transfer of heat whilst saving energy because that's a big one at the minute isn't it you know most bakers in the uk at the moment are facing increase of energy of 300 percent energy costs and and i don't think anybody has an answer as to uh, how to get over that other than yes prices are going to have to go north but uh, uh, mitigating circumstances that everybody is facing the same challenge both industry and consumers at home so you immediately start to be a little bit more canny with uh, with usage don't you and, and, and lights etc if you're not in the room they're switched off they're not on all day and night and oven uh, electricity uses in an oven is, is, is a classic example an equipment manufacturer, as opposed to a seller or a factor, somebody who's who's selling, just selling the equipment, the manufacturer, I would be most surprised if they are not as helpful as can be if and when they are asked right. to give you the, the answers you want. Now, if you're talking to somebody who just sells equipment and isn't a baker themselves or hasn't even been to where the equipment is made or never used it, you're talking to the wrong person. Yeah. Um, and I agree with you that the equipment manufacturers in general are very quick to help and to train. And I think that it's, it's good advice to include that as something that you are steadfast in requesting, that there is a level of teaching and training and I also agree with you, if they are a baker, all the better. Well, yes, because you're talking the same language. And, and in this instance, you know, another manufacturer, they, they will have bakers on the team so that uh, they know what they're talking about. You'll also get a lot more respect. Uh, as a manufacturer, you get a baker come on to you and starts asking you challenging questions about bake profiles and this, that, and the other. Um, you smile because you, you think, great, you know, I'm talking about to somebody that knows what they're on about. They're, they're, they're a baker. And as the baker, him or herself, you, you're going to come away feeling, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I'm getting somewhere here. No, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Stephen, I think those are really all the questions that I have in talking about incorporating machines and just having that conversation about bakers stepping into an automated process and having that relationship with machines. Next week is going to be very interesting because we're going to talk about the people and 
there has to be a relationship between the people and the machines because it's about so much more than turning on the equipment or pressing a button and dealing with the interface. And so I'm excited to kind of bring this whole conversation we've been having together at the end next week to talk about people and training and culture in the world of artisan bread. Thank you for today's discussion in kind of taking the fear out of machines and automation in artisan bread making. Absolutely. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to the final episode, saving the best till the end. That's absolutely true. So I will reconnect with you next week, Stephen. Look forward to it. Thanks very much, Johnny. Thanks for listening to Troubleshooting Innovation, a commercial baking podcast. We are excited to join the industry in person as an IBIE Gold Media Partner. Be sure to check out our IBIE monthly newsletter, IBIE Show Guide Digital Edition, and our IBIE booth trailers, all available at commercialbaking.com. Be on the lookout for exclusive digital content live from the show, and don't forget to visit us at booth 3125 in the West Hall. We'll see you in Las Vegas.